Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Well, we are continuing our series, By My Spirit, and today we're looking at the idea of wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, whenever we talk about wisdom, one of the most simple definitions of wisdom is skilled living. If you talk about wisdom, it's skilled living. Well, what does that mean? Well, if we got technical according to God's word, this is what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing the truth, first of all. So first of all, in order to practice wisdom, you have to know the truth. So you have to know the truth of God's word. You have to know what the, the truth of a situation is. And then secondly, you have to understand the application of that truth. What is the appropriate course of action given that truth? So we know the truth, and then we understand the application. And then finally, we do God's will. According to the Bible, if you're not doing God's will, you're not practicing wisdom. And so you have to know the truth, you understand the application, and then you do God's will. That is the way that we live with skill according to the Bible. But if you look out at all these other uh, things the world offers, the wisdom that the world offers, we find that the world says, no, this is true wisdom. True wisdom is found in business sense. True wisdom is found in political understanding. True wisdom is found in scientific understanding. And all those things may be good, but they do not ultimately lead us toward redemption. Those things do not contribute ultimately toward the kingdom of God to build the kingdom of God. That is only built upon true wisdom. And true wisdom comes by the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God. And so this morning, as we look at what constitutes true wisdom, I want us to look at a passage that Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And I want us to look at what are some of the things that we can know about this, God, uh, this true wisdom that comes from God through his Holy Spirit. The first thing we find is this, by God's wisdom through his Holy Spirit, we can witness spiritual power. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, he writes these words, and I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We can witness spiritual power. Now, does that mean that when Paul showed up, he never used any sort of logical arguments? No, we know that he did do that. He did logically defend the faith. And I had a, a guy many years ago, he told me, he said, Paul says that he decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That means the only thing that Paul ever taught was Jesus was crucified and he rose again. And that's what we should be teaching. And I said, have you read everything else Paul wrote? Everything else that Paul wrote came off of that idea of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So it's not just that Paul was going around saying, Jesus 
and Jesus crucified and rose again, that's the end of my message. That's the core of the message. But everything else, all the other wisdom came off of that. But Paul is writing here saying, when I came to share the gospel with you, when you heard the gospel, when you heard the message that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, God himself in the flesh died in our place on the cross for our sins and then was buried and rose again. And if we place our faith in him, then we can know eternal life. As we surrender our lives to him, we turn from sin, we turn to following Christ, then we can know God and have an eternal home with him. He said, whenever I shared that, I did not share it and try to convince you of it by worldly methods. There's an old saying that what you win people with is what you have to use to keep them. What you win them with is what you have to use to keep them. And so if you win people with the unadulterated gospel, the gospel does the keeping. But if we try to use any other methodology to, in order to convince someone or bring them to Christ, then we have to continue to use that methodology in order to keep them. But Paul says, no, I didn't, I didn't use clever methodologies like some of these false teachers that they were accustomed to. I didn't use any of these worldly arguments. No, because this was in in the demonstration of the power of God. Look at verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 2. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. You realize the gospel is very strange. You start sharing the gospel, it's strange. It's a very strange thing to people's ears. And so we have to understand that we have to rely upon the power of the gospel. Look at what Paul writes earlier in 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He's saying, I am sharing the plain gospel. That is what does the saving. And that poses a problem because we find in 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 21, Paul writes, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God, and he's the wisdom of God. And he says, whenever I'm sharing this, the Jews are saying, this is all well and good. This message is all well and good. What sign are you going to show us? Show us some sign to prove the message. And he says that, I'm sorry, the, the, yeah, the Jews man signs, the Greek seeks wisdom. The Greek is seeking the worldly wisdom. How does this fit into my existing philosophy? How can I understand this logically? How can I expand this by my human means? Paul says, I'm not coming to preach any of those kind of things. I am coming to preach the gospel. And he says that it's foolishness to the Greek and to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. The word that he uses, it is a scandalon. That's the word in the Greek, a scandalon. It's where we get our word scandal from. It's a word that's used for the bait pedal or the bait stick on a trap to trap an animal. That's the, that's the thing that hangs them up. It's the bait that hangs them up. They can't get past it. It's what catches them. 
And he says, for the Jews, the idea of God himself coming in the flesh and hanging on a tree, hanging on a cross and becoming a curse for us, that's not the kind of God they can follow. It's a scandal. It traps them because he says, this is a demonstration of the wisdom of God and the power of God. Have you ever gotten really upset with somebody because they just don't seem to get the idea of the gospel? Can I tell you, you need to depend upon the spiritual power of the gospel to do the work. We don't convince them. We don't strong arm them. We don't, we don't persuade them with all sorts of eloquence. No, it has to be a work of God. We have to depend upon the spiritual power. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul is saying that in and of myself, by my own physical frame, by my own physical means, I am fragile, I am, I am fallible, I am replaceable, I'm dispensable, I'm, I'm just a clay pot, but there's a treasure inside by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever he shares the gospel, he understands that he is displaying the wisdom of God. The same is true for us. When we share the gospel, we are proclaiming the wisdom of God and showing the wisdom and the power of God himself. Secondly, by God's wisdom through his spirit, we live by spiritual revelation. Look at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As Christians, we live by spiritual revelation. This is what he says. Verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We have to have the Holy Spirit of God teach us God's will from his word. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 143. This is verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We depend upon God for that spiritual revelation. Now, understand what I mean by spiritual revelation. I'm not talking about we're living day to day, asking God, God, show me a sign in the sky. God, give me some revelation so that I don't have to read your word. That's not what we're talking about by spiritual revelation. We're meaning by revelation that we do not know truth, real truth, unless God reveals it to us from his word by his spirit. That's what we're talking about. And remember we talked about some of the the characteristics and some of the things we need to bear in mind as we talked about the Holy Spirit. One thing we said is that the Holy Spirit being God, Holy Spirit is fully God, Holy Spirit being God is not going to disagree with God's word. And the Holy Spirit is always going to agree with himself. And so we find that if we're living by spiritual revelation, we're seeking God's word and God's Holy Spirit is giving us understanding into God's word. Because the wisdom that is worldly wisdom does not depend upon God's word. James writes about worldly wisdom in James chapter 3, verse 15. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So the wisdom that comes from below is not the same as the wisdom that comes from above. 
the wisdom that comes from below, that earthly wisdom, it may recognize the truth of a situation, but it may have a completely different application. And it's definitely not seeking the will of God. It's seeking the will of humanity. It's seeking the will of Satan, according to this. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so we live by revelation. That's how we live. We don't live necessarily by best practices. All those best practices are great. We don't live by just good old-fashioned common sense, although good old-fashioned common sense is great. But we live by the truth of the Word of God. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, there is a verse, and so many times I've heard people use it, and, and sometimes it's translated with just the word vision, just vision. We say, you know, we'll say, our organization needs a vision because, because where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. The word actually means a prophetic vision. Literally, the application is a message from God, the truth of God. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who is relying upon the word of God. Blessed is he who is seeking the will of God as revealed in the word of God. So where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no revelation from God, where there is no dependence on the word of God, people cast off restraint. We see that in our culture today. People not depending upon, people not clinging to, people not abiding by, people not loving the word of God. And so they cast off all restraint. So where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Now let's understand how we talk about getting vision. When we talk about this prophetic vision, so many times organizations will say something like this, or people will say something like this. Well, I found a verse that I like, and now I'm going to mumble a prayer, and so that must be it, so now I'm operating in God's will. No. We go to God's Word, and we make sure that God's Word aligns with what we're talking about, and then we seek God in prayer, and then we step forward. Remember, we have to know the truth, and we have to understand how to apply it, and then we do the will of God, and that only comes by us depending upon the word of God. And we are led by the Spirit of God. Look at Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Meaning the default method of operation for people who know God is being led by the Spirit. That's the default. Galatians 5, 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us habitually practice walking by the Spirit. Let us keep in step, walk in lockstep with the Spirit of God Himself. And that is that comes about by spiritual revelation. But not only that, by God's wisdom, through His Holy Spirit, we can know our spiritual blessings. The blessings that God has already given us at salvation. Look at chapter, um, chapter 1, verse 9. But as it is written, or chapter 2, verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a quote from Isaiah 64, 4. And then he goes on in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by 
God. Now, so many times we take this verse, eye is not seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. And we say, what heaven, what's in heaven? What awaits us in heaven? We, we can't even imagine. We've never seen. We, we just can't even begin to comprehend those things, which is true. But the context here, Paul is saying we can know some things that have been given to us right now. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And then verse 9, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. By God's Spirit, only by God's Spirit, through His Word can we understand the blessings that God has already given us. Think about the blessings, if you're a follower of Christ, that God has already given you. He has justified you. That is, He has declared you legally not guilty because Jesus took that guilt and shame upon himself. You have been, biblical word, uh, you've experienced the propitiation of God. That is, the wrath of God has been appeased on the cross. You will never face the wrath of God for sin. We face temporal discipline for sin whenever we sin as his children, but we will never face his wrath of God and be separated from God. Because God has appeased his own wrath by the sacrifice of his son. We we have been redeemed. That is, we have been bought out of the slave market of sin by God himself. We've been reconciled to God. We have been brought back into a right relationship with God where we were once enemies of God. We have now been brought back into right relationship with him. And those things are past tense. Those things have happened. But not only that, we are being currently sanctified. We're being set apart more and more by God for his purpose. We are being made more and more into the image of Jesus himself. And the day will come that we will be glorified. That's a blessing that we look forward to, that we will be made perfectly like Christ and we will experience an eternity without sin. Those are the blessings that we have been given. And they come through God's word and we comprehend them by God's spirit. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. That the God, this is what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of, what is it? Wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We can know the spiritual blessings that God has given to us. Can I tell you, if you are thinking on the spiritual blessings that God has given you as he has revealed from his word and as he has given us that understanding of those blessings by his spirit, can I tell you that is something to be thankful for. If you say, as a follower of Christ, I really am having a hard time this week thinking about things that I am thankful for. Can I tell you, if you just start here and go no further, that is plenty for you to give thanks to God for the rest of eternity that God has done these things. And that is what we will be doing. But we understand and we know our spiritual blessings only by the Spirit of God. Can I ask you to do something this week? This week, can you just think on some of the blessings that God has given you, 
some of the spiritual blessings that you've experienced. Now, the physical blessings are wonderful, but I'm saying, can you, will you just think on some of the spiritual blessings and take some time this week to read through God's Word and give Him thanks for the spiritual blessings that He has given to us. And they are so incredibly valuable to understand this wisdom. Look at Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding, is to be chosen rather than silver. This wisdom that comes from above... This knowing the truth and then understanding the application and doing the will of God in this context, looking at our spiritual blessings and being able to say, oh God, what a blessing you've given me in salvation. What incredible things you've done in my life and how you've changed me. Lord God, thank you for that. And to seek the wisdom that is from above that allows us to understand that concept. He says it's better than gold. It's better than any fine jewels that you could imagine. It's better than any precious metal that you could ever, you could ever mine. Knowing God and understanding that and then seeking and doing his will, that type of wisdom, he says, it's better than any of that. And we want to exercise that kind of wisdom. The final thing that Paul mentions in this passage about wisdom is that through his spirit, we can discern spiritual truths. That gets us back to the definition of wisdom, to know the truth, but we can discern spiritual truths. Look at verse 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit for they are folly to him. They're foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Through God's Holy Spirit, that is how we discern spiritual truths from God's Word. Paul says whenever he's teaching, natural people, maybe the Greek philosophers, maybe the the Jews that are listening, that are thinking only in the context of tradition, and they're not being led by the Holy Spirit, he says they're not going to understand. They won't get it. Goes back to what we talked about earlier, that person maybe you've been sharing the gospel with. And you say, I just wish they could just, if they would just make up their mind to understand. No, they can't. Because the Holy Spirit has to give them that understanding. The Holy Spirit has to illuminate the Scripture for them. Because the Scripture themselves, God's Word, it comes from God. And so the only way we can understand God's Word is through God. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is verse 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's the same idea in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so we find that God's word comes from God himself And the way that we understand God's word most fully and discern that spiritual truth is by the power of God. And so we have to rely upon the word of God. I know I've mentioned before a gentleman I talked to many years ago, and he told me, he said, I have graduated from reading my Bible. And he said, I've gotten to a point that God just speaks to me directly. I don't even have to read my Bible because I'm in some deeper water now. I said, you are definitely in deep water. If you think you've reached a point that you can depart from the scripture and you can just rely upon a word from the Lord, even though scripture is not teaching that, I will tell you, you are in deep, dangerous, dark waters. 
But we never graduate from the Word of God. We never get to a point where we don't have to rely upon the Word of God. We always rely upon the Word of God. There aren't any new revelations on par with Scripture. So we use God's Word by His Spirit to discern these spiritual truths. Listen to John 16, 13. Listen to what Jesus says when He's promising the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of truth. And he's going to guide them into all truth, and the Holy Spirit is not going to speak on his own. The Holy Spirit is never going to say, well, I know what the Word of God says, but you know, I got some pretty good ideas. No, because the Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, he won't contradict the Word of God. He is there to report what he has heard from God. The idea of not being able to accept the thing or understand the things of God, that that brings us to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus has often, he preached in parables. He, He didn't preach any of those spiritual truths apart from parables, the Bible says. So he's always preaching in parables. And sometimes people say, well, the reason Jesus spoke in parables is to make it easy to understand to those who were around him. Well, that's not what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. We say, well, goodness, Jesus, why would you do that? Why would you tell parables to people who don't know you? And why, according to the Bible, why would you say these things intentionally, to make it difficult to understand. Because the idea is those who did understand were those that the Holy Spirit was doing a work in. And so Jesus would teach a, a parable. He would teach a parable, say, of the parable of the sower, of the sower going out and sowing seed, and some would fall on rocky ground, and some would the birds would snatch away, and some would fall among the thorns, and some would fall on good ground, and it would yield fruit. And he would give that parable, and some people would say, Hmm, interesting story about agriculture. Sure, there's something in there. But to those who understood, they would say, ah, I see what's going on. Because the Holy Spirit would be working in them. Because we must use spiritual means to understand spiritual truth. And that spiritual means is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit allows us to discern spiritual truths. And understand that experience is a great teacher. You know, we sometimes say experience is the best teacher. Well, we say that experience is a great teacher, assuming you learn from the experience. If you just keep repeating the experience, that means maybe experience is a good teacher. It just means that it may mean that we're bad learners. But we understand that the Holy Spirit of God leads us in all truth. And when the Holy Spirit of God leads us and we know God's truth, and we understand the application, and we do God's will, that is a level of wisdom that we all want to have as followers of Christ. 
Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119. This is verse 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Notice he talks about, the psalmist writes about three groups of people. He says, my enemies, they may be using deceitful, crafty, kind of cunning and skill, that sort of wisdom. He says, but Lord, because I am seeking your word, you've made me wiser than my enemies. And then he says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. All these teachers, all these people who are skilled at teaching, all these people who, who know the way of the world. He says, no, I'm, 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 your testimonies are my meditation. I'm thinking on your word, Lord God. And because of that, I'm wiser than my teachers. And then he says in verse 100, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. These people who have, who have learned certain things, and they have learned by experience and have lived a great many years. He's saying that just because someone has lived a great many years does not guarantee wisdom. It guarantees opportunities to practice wisdom, but it's no guarantee of wisdom. And he says, because I keep your precepts, I do your will. And so we find that this wisdom that comes from God is dependent upon the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And some of you have asked me, some of you often ask me, how can I pray for you? And no matter what else I may add, no matter what I say when I say, I, I want you to, uh, I'd like you to pray for this about my family, or I pray that you would pray for this about ministry, the number one thing, and some of you know this, the number one thing that I always ask is, pray that God will grant me wisdom. That's it. Because in James chapter 1, verse 5, James writes, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And James says that God will give generously to all and without reproach. He's going to give wisdom liberally, generously, and he's never going to say, why are you asking me for wisdom again? He's never going to reproach us. That's a promise from the Word of God. And if it's a promise from the Word of God, then I want to live by that promise. Can I encourage you? Ask God for wisdom. Ask God that He will give you that knowledge of the truth. Ask God that He will give you an understanding on how to apply that truth. And then ask God to equip you and empower you to do His will. That's true wisdom. And God says, if you ask for wisdom, I give you wisdom. And I'll give it to you generously. And I'll never fault you for asking. So would you do that in your prayer time this week sometime? Would you just ask God, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. God, I want to know what the truth is. God, I want to understand how to apply your truth. God, I want to do your will according to your word. And that sort of wisdom, you're wiser than your enemies. You have more understanding than your teachers. And you understand more than all the people who have gathered all of this worldly wisdom who have lived a great many years. That's that kind of wisdom. And it comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit as it is informed, as that wisdom is informed by the Word of God. In God's great wisdom, in God's godly wisdom, Wisdom that confounds the best worldly wisdom. Wisdom that brings to nothing all the philosophies and all the thought processes and all the, all the opinions and expectations of humanity. Through the wisdom of God, 
He sent his son. He sent his son to confound all the worldviews that do not line up with his word and his will. And we can live, we can go out in the world and live with godly wisdom, showing the power of God by the wisdom of God and sharing with others that Jesus came and he became the wisdom of God and the very power of God on display, demonstrated in the gospel that sinless God himself took upon the likeness of sinful flesh and died on a cruel cross for our sins so that if we surrender our lives to him, then we may have eternal life with him. And that is the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We are thankful for your wisdom. God, we're thankful that we don't have to operate by our own means. We don't have to operate with just our own understanding. In fact, your word tells us that we are not to lean upon our own understanding. But Father, I pray that as we move forward in our lives, as we take whatever next step of faith you have for each one of us, Father, I pray as we grow in the likeness of Christ that we would seek your wisdom, that you might grant each follower of Christ your wisdom to know the truth, to know your truth, to see situations rightly, And then understand how to apply those spiritual biblical truths and then to do your will that we may know and understand and seek your righteousness. That's true wisdom. Father, and I pray for anybody here this morning or anybody listening and maybe they're in a place where they've never had that wisdom and power of Christ himself applied to their lives through the power and the wisdom of the gospel. Father, I pray today would be the day as the Holy Spirit prompts them and convicts them and deals with their heart as he may have already been for some time now. I pray that today would be the day they would surrender to your leading and your guidance and your truth. And and by, by surrendering that they will become something they are not right now. For those of us who know Christ, we recognize we are not who we once were. You've changed us. And we thank you for the understanding that comes by your spirit through your word that we may know those spiritual blessings. And I pray that today someone might know the spiritual blessings that come by salvation. Father, I pray for those of us who are followers of Christ. God, I pray that you might grant us your wisdom. Father, I pray that we may live with skill, biblical skill, as we live by your spiritual wisdom. Father, in this time, we, we give ourselves to you. And as we respond, Lord God, I pray that you might grant your boldness and, and you might grant your leading and your guidance as you best see fit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of us will be here at the front. And if you have any spiritual decision whatsoever, maybe you want to come forward and pray. Maybe you want to ask one of us to pray for you about something. Maybe you want to know how you can be baptized, how you can join the church. Maybe you have some other, some other spiritual concern that's weighing on you that you would just, you just want to have prayer with someone or talk with someone. We would love to help you in any way possible. And so you respond in this time as God leads. Let's all stand this morning.